Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Black Hoodie Alchemy. And happy Halloween season to you. Uh, we're in the thick of it now. I hope you've kept up on some of your horror movie action. Um, and, you know, not just gone for the blood and guts, although that's fun too, but found some real existential mind fucks out there. <laughs> horror movies, man, when they twist the right way, they're some of the like biggest just head scratchers that you can come across that's why i love horror movies so much it's it's a shock factor not just visceral but when it's intellectual as well it's just like what more could you ask for if you like a little bit of adrenaline um without fighting monsters and serial killers yourself (laughs) Um, inside yourself no kidding yeah and those are some kind of things we'll be talking about today um this is an ep uh, you know the show itself is kind of like all year Halloween vibes, um, not exclusively, but it's definitely got that dark uh, undertone. Uh, but so I would do, I would have this conversation any time of year. But the fact that it lines up right now uh, with my buddy Keats Ross is it's really perfect timing because um, even just the name Haunt Manual, it's not indicative of Halloween. But it, when you keep in, when you take it in the context of what Halloween sort of represents on that archetypal level, it it just it put it, it, it couldn't be more seamless really um and you know for anyone that hasn't heard if you like it uh you can go check out the guest spot i did on the secret teachings with ryan gable we talked about halloween a little bit there and just overall uh the 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 context of just the simple astrological implications like astrology just being the philosophy of astronomy and seeing how the seasons around us affect us so much and have become ceremonialized and ritualized in our cultures throughout history. <clears throat> um, so, and, you know, regardless of whether or not, like, however atheist we are, or what lean we have, we all follow these patterns. Um, and the pattern we're getting into now is that pattern of, um, you know, like transmogrification. It's like, it's, it's that, it's the, you know, the tarot death card, everything is getting colder. It's, uh, it's probably getting snowier depending on where you are. And, you know, the time for harvest is either now or in some cases, or it's just passed. So we're all hunkered down, waiting out the winter, either metaphorically or literally. Um, it tends to come this time of season one way or another. And when you hunker down like that, you tend to think about you know, just things in general more, but especially the past and nostalgia. And that's a lot of what holidays in general seem to be about because uh, nostalgia is a double-edged sword too. And uh, before we get too much deeper into that, I want to introduce my buddy Keats Ross to the show. Thanks for coming aboard, man. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, and thank you again for being so patient uh, with me uh, rescheduling so much because of the crazy stuff that we're about to talk about has been kind of generating so i appreciate it yeah man no problem no problem uh keats and i have known each other for a a hot minute now um when were you born was it the 23rd or like the 25th yeah i'm the 23rd 23rd of february that's right Uh, and i was born the 22nd so we're uh we're pisces twinsies (laughs) Uh, but uh i very much feel cut from the same cloth and Mm -hmm. um Keats has done his own show for a while now, intermittently called Prague Magic. You can find that on streaming platforms. And he's uh, a musician under the name Dakota Slim. We'll play some of that music 
uh, at the breaks throughout the show. I've played a little bit of it here in the past. Um, it's very like dark folk bluesy. I love it. It's right up my alley. Um, and um, you've recently you so you've always you've always been like a multi. You've always been an artist from a variety of different angles and outlets. And uh, most recently, you've been working on this multimedia sort of project. And it's a uh, it's called Haunt Manual, which is a little bit of a handshake uh, with Hunt Manual there, which is um, the book I put out last Halloween. It um, is. And <laughs> just, to, uh, just to sidebar a little bit, you, mm-hmm. you know, when we've talked about Hunt Manual, I was mishearing you and I thought you were saying Haunt Manual. And I was like, damn, that's such a good title, Haunt <laughs> Manual, because it you know, really encapsulates a lot of uh, the different multitudes of things that I work in. And uh, so, yeah, I cheekily, you know, put it in the back of my mind. And then when I was ready to birth it, you know, to me, all of these titles are kind of tentative in a sense, uh, Mm -hmm. because this will be collected into a publication. So who knows what it will be when that comes out. But uh, yeah, Haunt Manual just, uh, you know, stayed with me. It echoed and I kept it. And you were the first person I wrote to. I was like, hey, you'll you'll get a kick out of this. Yeah. And it's great. I love it. Um, it, uh, it does, it adds a little bit of a uh, fun insider context, knowing that, and, uh, just standing alone, it definitely encapsulates, um, the, what you're trying to convey with it. Um, and, right. uh, so I, I want to get into this because what the, like the Halloween time, you know, fall going into winter psychologically represents is, I'm saying this kind of purgative quality and it doesn't have to be all evil. And that's kind of the point of investigating this stuff is, you know, you separate the, the like more vile aspects of humanity from the, the, the wounded children, you know, whether that be sociologically or, or psychologically. And, you know, because all these things are in the uh, reflected encapsulated in the shadow, the shadow is just that which we have not, you know, fully come to terms with yet. So, yeah. Um, and I was talking about nostalgia a little bit. I kept thinking about that word uh, going through haunt manual. And I've always been fascinated by that word because it's such a powerful, like nostalgia sort of just, it's like a self-activated spell. We oh, just fall. It. <laughs> yeah. it's, an, it's an absolute cancer, you know, yeah. at least what I thought, you know, for a long time. And I think that's, a lot of the treaties of what I'm working with is um, there's, you know, these polar opposites inside of me. Um, When you talk about Halloween, Mm -hmm. you know, being kind of this very um, pensive, you know, um, I don't want to say brooding, but it is kind of a very, it is a tucker down kind of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me as a kid growing up in the Southwest, you know, it's quite the opposite. Um, As far as the harvest was concerned, there really was none anyway. I mean, (laughs) Um, and the, the idea was, you know, throughout my life, it is, it has been this time of year that has granted me the most bounty or as spring, funny enough, um, has granted me kind of the most sorrow or heartache. Um, so I'm on the other polarity with this and where, you know, I've always been kind of entrenched in the deep ponderances of the other and, you know death you know this this kind of casual 
um, understanding of, you know, our, our culture, or many cultures during this time, coming to grips with what they probably think is an absolute, right? But it isn't in and of itself, because, you know, nothing is really absolute. Mm-hmm. And so I just find it interesting that it it's the one time where, like, in the somatic realm we all share, especially in this culture, people start to dance with the idea um, that there, you know, there is an essence, you know, beyond whatever this mortal coil is. And it becomes kitschy and it becomes slightly like goofy and infantilized and <laughs> and and I love it. I love the macabre being taken down to that pig um and normalized in that sort of way because it is it's true it should be. We should all be very comfortable with the inevitable, you know. Just because it's inevitable it doesn't mean it's absolute or it doesn't mean it's a finality. So no doubt. Yeah. And I I, I think um Halloween has over time become sort of this counterculture holiday where mm-hmm. it's it's e- even encouraged like even for the most straight laced people to just kind of raise a little bit of hell even if that means a wild costume in one way or another and fire it up oh <laughs> <it> <laughs> um, i love that i think um yeah i think that's very telling it's a, it's a very human need where even if you have some sort of belief system that is potentially geared towards, I don't know, just kind of shooing that stuff away. Right. Um, it, it inevitably comes out. And I think it has to, it's sort of, it's I, the way I look it's at a, it is. Yeah. What well, you go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, it's a cultural easing into mm-hmm. it. It's like uh, an allowance to kind of think of these things with other, you know, with, you know, many do not want to ponder. Many do not want to be, you know, kind of wrestling with those sorts of other side of the moon kind of, you know, interests, yeah. right? Uh, and, yeah. Uh, there is like a, yeah, just a casual allowance about it during this year. And it is very synchronous with the season. And it's working with that, you know, that almost hangover from summer. No kidding. That, you know, October burn of the kind of the uh you know the side eye and the weariness of the winter that's about to come it it really is all connected and i I feel like as humans especially as pattern makers you know we are absolutely filling those holes and and fitting those situations as a form of like uh interpersonal comfort with each other too so yeah no doubt i think it's quite beautiful but it can also be you know not so <laughs> yeah absolutely um I, I think this is a good way this is where my mind goes and i think this is a good way to encapsulate what we've talked about so far and especially what is to come um we're talking more about haunt manual i look at this kind of work uh the the inner work the shadow work um as something like so they say that part of the reason among other things why we dream is because it is the the like just sheer adaptational overload of data. And it's a bit, it's a way for our brains to sort of just process, engage things and um, systematize things as best as it can. And right. um, even if that's symbolic and uh, uh, they, so if we weren't able to do that, as suggested, especially by sleep deprivation, and if we weren't able to like 
whether or not you remember your dreams, if you weren't able to activate and engage in REM sleep, we would just slowly start to lose our minds because that's a crucial place for us to process and systematize and like incubate thoughts and ideas and data and emotions yeah, and things. The bleed um, through. The right. Bleed. Yeah. And, and if we don't do that psychologically in our own lives, then yes, the, the again, the great bleed through. Yeah. Um, with like, we have to, we have to take that time to um, nurse ourselves and those nostalgic inclinations because nostalgia is a very powerful thing. And I think it's very, you know, it's something like intuition. Um, I don't even, you know, one could probably argue that they're, they might be stemming from the same thing or whatever, but yeah. either way, it would suffice to say nostalgia is the opiate of the masses. Honestly, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I'm sure there's many opiates of the masses, but you know, the way I'm handling it and something that for all my vices and, uh, self, you know, masturbatory inclinations, <laughs> like, <laughs> nostalgia was just something that, you know, I, I come from a very Dharma bum kind of background where if something doesn't work out, you know, I burn it down, build again somewhere else. And it was kind of chasing that encapsulated ghost and not thinking of, you know, the sentimentality or really digesting, you know, as you said, or even subconsciously, just because I was so active and pushing through it, I wasn't allowed the digestion. I wasn't allowed the uh, the permeance of what ailed me at that time, or you know the the causation of trauma, or the you know the the bad handed you know follow throughs, or any of that. So you know nostalgia. I feel when I finally kind of. And I call it nostalgia, Mancy, is a kind of tongue in cheek. And I like, my, I like my kitschy portmanteaus I'm a sucker for. But, um, you know, it, it's it's not really, I wouldn't say it's really nostalgia, Mancy, but nostalgia was definitely the door. It was when I allowed myself to meditate heavily on certain periods of time that I've otherwise tried to burn or move past. And, um, yeah, that was that was the key, you know, that unlocked a lot of things was not just the sentimentality of it, but the the allowance of the rush of familiarity, like an otherworldly familiarity, even somewhat of a deja vu like familiarity, you know, nostalgia mm -hmm. for things that haven't happened yet or, you know, nostalgia for things that might have in, in dream states or whatever. Like I used to just I used to just burn through them. I pushed through them. Um, because it, it would, it, I, you know, inherently, I think I'm a very sentimental and sensitive person. And so once you let that floodgate open, um, you know, all hell breaks loose. So yeah. I had to figure out a way to parse it. I had to figure out a way to, you know, tithe it here and there. And, you know, through the practice or whatever, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but that was my ability to kind of let nostalgia through little by little without being just overwashed in a tundra of, you know, toils. Yeah. Because you're talking about very practical things here. Um, or, or high-minded things with practical implications, like mm -hmm. you in, in, uh, like throughout your works and, uh, and your podcasts have explored, um, what's the best way to put it? Like mysticism and magic as 
therapy, you know, and what those implications actually mean. And as far as I'm concerned, unless you're, you know, going some, some real Aleister Crowley hedonist style path, like that's what it's all about to begin with is right. Yeah. So, and I mean, I could break it down even just simpler than that art, you know, amen. Most pragmatic magic known to me, at least. I mean, it's, it's the one thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. It's the one thing that puts my hat on straight. You know, it's the, it's, it's the thing that keeps the other of brain chemistry, something that is, you know, um, not always under my control and the inability to commune with it is, you know, been a barking kind of disaster throughout life. But, you know, (laughs) there's nothing more magical than, you know, just uh, getting into that sort of that state with creation. And I think to me, that's the, you know, it, it's a very simplified, but, you know, to me, a uh, astounding realization of, you know, just how simple magic truly is. 100%. Um, it, you, I feel like it really helps inform that sort of mentality uh, coming from uh, some sort of a punk rock background. Uh, because it's it's extremely DIY, it's extremely grassroots. It's I don't need interpretation, uh, you know, from a priest class. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, and that's another reason you and I get along so well. And you remind me a lot of my friend Justin Otto. I'm gonna have to introduce you guys somehow at some point. You both I do podcast. You said that last time, you really? Were on my show, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I would surprise I subscri- me. I subscribed to him. Um, it was like a Dharma podcast of some sort, right? Yeah, Dharma Junkie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, if you guys both did podcasts, you guys do. Um, I. I love your shows. Um, you, you guys do it kind of intermittently, um, which I also respect. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if you guys did either That's one consistently. Nice and, <laughs> but yeah, one of these days I'll get you guys talking. You guys would have a good time. But um, yeah, he's with the intermittent thing, too. That was the other is, you know, I'm. I used to be so hard on myself for the consistency. And I think that's those are again, these it's through trying to find this third mind of these like really heavy polarized beingness in me that I've had since I was a kid, just, you know, really enjoy the extremes um, of spontaneity, but also, you know, I'm obsessive about finding systems and things to incorporate spontaneity, you know what I mean? (laughs) Or like block schedule spontaneity. It it never works by the way, but um, (laughs) you know what I mean? And it, 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 at first, you know, everything, everything tells you right like the machinations of the world tell you that you are just a feedback loop like your resonance is just eating itself in that way and um this you know jokingly kind of call it hauntomancy right but that that gets deeper (laughs) into we'll go into that later um again with my kitschy portmanteaus but um Um, but like this, fee- everything tells you, like everything tells you, you can't exist as a third point on this very fine line. But the point doesn't need to be on the access. I've realized it, it can be off. It can be off the access, and it, it'll crease the other sides of the polarities. Right, almost mm-hmm. like the therefore symbol, which I am obsessed with. But um, the yeah, the idea is it it's been battling against like what I've been told, what I've been kind of conditioned in like roads and this, you know, societal structure 
have told me that I'm just a like Tasmanian devil of, you know, uh, reckless abandon, right? <laughs> or like un- unable, the unability, unability to grow or inability. Sorry, that was a stumble. <laughs> but the inability to grow because it's feeding you like off each other so much that there's no room to build the scaffolding right and to to raise and i'm finding through this like that's actually i'm finding the superpower and and having those polar constructs of self and all of this really has been trying to find that third mind and it's the macro and the micro of like even through my artistic process to you know my just beingness in uh in a you know job needing world or whatever and so it that has really opened my eyes as far as being so uh reluctant i think to or like uh, i wouldn't say reluctant i think i was just uh i was unable to hear myself or unable to like allow myself to the i'm too self-deprecating right it was always like oh it's got to be me it's you know i'm at fault for i'm keeping myself back well that it was very true but it wasn't for the reasons that i think i was programmed to think and i'm finding these like what i considered curses are actually superpowers have honed a bit not to be that like goofy or woo-woo but you know what i mean like totally actually they're actually like these you know these the 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 resonance is stronger you know because resonance you know we all inherently resonate at a frequency but resonance is the first one especially in like gain staging or you know audio production resonance is the one that gives you the feedback and i always thought that was so interesting that everything inherently you know almost like psychoacoustically uh carries its own resonance but it's the first one to eat itself too if not tethered correctly or if not you know um, aligned correctly and using that same metaphor i always thought well you you know it's adjusting this adjusting that adjusting this when really it's just kind of a a placement of self you know moving yourself away from the echo of you know whatever life speakers in front of you this this metaphor is just falling in on itself but i really like it though it's good yeah yeah Yeah. it definitely lands the point no doubt (laughs) and um so i want to ask you specifically about hungry ghosts uh but Mm -hmm. but first first lay the context a little bit um like for anyone that doesn't know you we've we've been talking for a little bit elevator pitch don't ask me to elevator pitch. <laughs> no, no elevator pitch. But um, like I want I, I want you to um let people in on some of your inner process. Like what are the things I know a little bit, but um some of your inspirations that you know, some of the things that have informed your investigations the most, just with like ph- philosophy and magic and esotericism in general. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a very uh taut line even back to when I was a kid, um, again, with the polarities, this will be a, a contradiction has been my favorite word. It used to be like the, the, you know, the sacred 
whatever demon not to be called, you know, but contradiction <laughs> is to me is been as I've been saying, it's become my almost like my favorite part of myself, like mm -hmm. extreme. I can and relate. And it comes also too from set and setting and nature and nurture and nurture was, you know, um, my parents divorced when I was, I don't even think three years old. I think I only saw them in my life in the room once together, you know? Wow. So I, you know, uh, as many kids do in that relationship, they live with their mother and my mother um, decided to, you know, stay out in the desert uh, in the barrios like New Mexico or actually this around this time it was Arizona. And so I was there pretty much for what I would say the Gulf Stream, you know, of my childhood. But I'd have these pockets, these synapses where um, I would visit my father, who um, my mother being kind of from a Sicilian and Irish Catholic upbringing, um, very strict, but like not attentive really never there um <laughs> bless her heart you know I, I don't mean that in any kind of judgment um, no i that's feel just you. what it was um as a latchkey kid out in the you know 120 degree weather or whatever but um <laughs> uh but i i split that you know from this very like alienating literally deserted kind of place uh to visit my father who you know was around Robert Anton Wilson uh, staying at Marilyn Ferguson's compound who wrote the Aquarian conspiracy and who actually um, create or co-created or published, I should say the brain mind bulletin of which was collected into a book called Prag magic, which is what my podcast is an homage to. Um, and, you know, my father had this like a uh, talk show, back in the early 90s and yeah robert anton wilson was on all these people supposedly i bounced on timothy leary's knee really i didn't know that yeah, it's wow one of, you know my father's uh you know uh anecdotes um i forget there was some something timothy leary said about me but it, i i always forget it um something nice <laughs> it's pretty cool though right on yeah, man. yeah. well um, and, that, and that's the thing so you know, I'd be just enamored with the openness. You know, I was asking my father, you know, about the soul. Um, I don't know, it's six years old. Like, I, I've, I've just always been absolutely akin to the other of, like, wondering what what is this whole tether about? Like, where does love come from? Like, what's driving us, you know? Mm -hmm. And go back with my mom and... You know, it'd be very uh, an abusive stepdad and, you know, me kind of raising my sister. So those polarities, you know, those uh, that's pretty much the scaffolding of which built, you know, my system as I know it. And as I said, that micro and the macro of that it makes perfect sense. Um, I finally uh, had to move away from my mother's from a second stepfather and I getting into a you know, fist fight as you mm -hmm. do. Um, and I uh, had to move in with my father uh, at like 13 or 14. And it was funny. It was like, 
felt out of place. It was just this constant outsiderdom. And I think within that, even when you think you found kind of a community or a familial place, there was this ghost, quite literally, of myself that I could see, um, you know, standing ajar of a kind of a common chord of groups and things and people. And, you know, I think that's what kind of built me into kind of burrowing into myself and then into music, um, learning how to, you know, speak through writing, learning how to kind of communicate through art and finding myself in that way. And, you know, always been a longtime comic fan since I was a kid, pretty, pretty hmm. diehard. And, Hell yeah. You know, with that begets chaos magic. And, you know, I think I was, my father had this tiny library, like really tiny in the attic. It's like where he hid his, you know, kind of more, I wouldn't say racy, but not the kind of books you want to show, you know, your uh, wife's friends over. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know, you know, satanic Bible. Right. There, I feel uh, The book of Enoch, you know. HP uh, Lovecraft stuff, the Necronomicon was one, and I would Ooh. just find myself just immersed in reading all of this stuff. And, you know, I never, the funny thing is, is that the tethers to like Robert Anton Wilson and all of that stuff when I was a kid really kind of came up after I became very vocal about, um, you know, working within this kind of shift right this uh i wouldn't call it a niche but you know what i mean the metaphysically minded kind of artistic stuff yeah no uh, doubt. because like it, i i just didn't realize it until you know it came around again it's like oh yeah <laughs> i remember the cosmic trigger yeah it's autographed uh you know, nice yeah yeah, I feel you. yeah and uh so it's that was kind of the uh i think the genesis of this idea of remembering and and this weird kind of future casting that happens i think throughout life and this you know cyclical you know kind of stumbling 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 hitting a almost like a deja vu path and you're like holy shit yeah i was on this trail you know 15 years ago and here i am again kind of unintentionally and you know and that I remember the Disinfo book of lies was uh, a big thing for me when I was a teenager because it was a compendium, right? It had, you know, it had uh, Genesis Peorage. It had, <laughs> you know, um, Austin Osmond Spare uh, topics. It had, uh, you know, Grant Morrison, you know, opens it up with that pop magic, uh, very famous, you know, teaching you the kind of spare method of, of creating a sigil and so you know i think a lot of people share that same genealogy of yeah especially when it comes through as you said you know i wouldn't characterize it um by genre punk but it was definitely by ethos like coming at things from a punk rock you know kind of ethos especially no when it came to magic and it came to these highfalutin you know big academic big philosophical ideas of course the entire time you know i was reading <laughs> derrida was someone i really got into um 
kind of conjointly but didn't connect the dots yet it was it was odd i was uh feasting upon all of these you know interwoven tethers and splinters and just hadn't kind of quite put the meal together yet and um you know uh just to to move through that uh traveled all over playing music and was a writer you know fell in and out of love 800 times <laughs> um, you know had one too many mental breakdowns did way too many uh harmful things to myself uh had a lot of mental health struggles um and it was after the last i think really deep kind of drug abandon and sorrow and kind of end of the ropes at a dilapidated apartment on this weird off year in arizona which is you know the mother of all of my trauma was this state and i found myself there when you know 25 or 26 and i just kind of gave up the ghost and went with what everybody i think expected me to do which was uh he's just going to become some weirdo drug addict somewhere you know he keeps reading those burroughs books this is what he's going to turn out to be and um <laughs> and that's kind of I feel like you what, man i yeah. definitely feel you and it wasn't because of Burroughs or anything like I, I actually wasn't really a drug user until um, I think my mental health or my mental disfluencies really started to rear their head. Uh, I think in my early 20s um, was when they started to really come up when brain chemistry started to become something that became very at that time became very apparent that I had little to no control over, you know. Um, and so here are these substances that you can just take a quick licking and, you know, go about your day. Right. Something in your pocket that you can actually control to change your environment inside yourself. Right. So, yeah. Um, it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, you know, in this dilapidated apartment in, you know, Arizona, uh, pretty much at the end of my wing, I remember I, I wasn't doing magic at the time. I had been far too distracted i'll put it that way um i i wrote um a kind of a treatise about you know if i survive this uh this is what i'm going to do um this is what i'm going to study this is what i'm going to get back into because it was i was always talking about it it was always in my mind but i really wasn't practicing at that time because i was so you know, involved in other kind of hedonistic bullshit. Um, but if it wasn't because of that, I wouldn't have kind of given myself over uh, to it. And, you know, I did um, I did some ritualistic stuff, more like chaos magic-y kind of things to help me with withdrawal, to help me kind of get on my feet. And I remember learning how to, like, basically walk again after withdrawal and like feeling the air on my skin like a newborn infant that just like crowned a womb wow. you know it was like this very much a rebirth like a baptism in atmosphere and obviously i didn't learn my lesson right then but <laughs> <laughs> it, it took me a couple more stumbles but nothing that bad right right um, right I feel what you. birthed from that was the consistency of utilizing uh 
different metaphysically minded things to kind of create and to edge myself away from you know those harbingers of of harm so um i would say that time in 2011 was pretty much like the kind of the birth of i would say maybe like the uh you know how like before birth you know that liminal space in the womb Mm, yeah uh, before like really doing it but that was that's the genesis for sure and ever since then it's just it, it had been accruing and it's gotten me you know it's i've gone i've gone mad you know with it i've gone uh exhilarated by it i've i've hated it i've thrown it i've cursed it i've you know um been impassioned by it but i never once was uh i never once kind of deified it in the sense of like a like my only uh kind of communion to the other that makes sense like magic in and of itself yeah yeah i always used it as a tool almost as a kind of like a prism of of that communion and experimentation agreed i also again couldn't relate to you more there that's exactly how how i see it too because i'm not like an or or, and neither are you like or or rephrase that we are both not orthodox like robe sitting people with like we have specific sigils that we're putting around all the time but but i mean like what we definitely from from like traditional currents and all that no right right yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, i have my own sigils i put everywhere all the time right see they're very very punk rock of you
are doing the will of our true self. We are inevitably doing the will of the universe. In magic, these are seen as indistinguishable. That every human soul is in fact one human soul. It is the soul of the universe itself. And as long as you are doing the will of the universe, then it is impossible to do anything wrong. Thousands of people are having paranormal experiences with ghosts, demons, shadow people, dogmen, Bigfoot, and more. Their stories need to be told, and they are being told. Dark Waters, the renowned storyteller, invites you to join at IamDarkWaters.com. For just a few dollars a month, you can listen to some of the most hair-raising and compelling stories on the planet. You'll have access to real-life stories told by Dark Waters, thousands of hours of content. Their encounters are being told and told by the best at IamDarkWaters.com. Listen to stories like The Rabbit Man, The Dogman Encounter in Silas, Alabama, The Man with No Face, The Other Woman, A Day Ahead of the Devil, Dogman Murder in Hurricane Ida, even a story of someone trying to kill a dogman. Louisiana Water Demon Stories. Sign up today and become a member at IamDarkWaters.com. That's IamDarkWaters.com. Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They have no idea how to get their music heard, and they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry-powered digital marketing platform, we can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels, so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com. Listen, as we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown, high strangeness, consciousness, and our human potential, Lighting the Void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating conversations. Join us on The Fringe FM. Um, and also before I forget, just because, um, Eric Millar has been on the show and he's, uh, he's a, it was a great time and he is a great, um, philosopher and artist himself. And, uh, I actually, I met you first and then I met Eric, but Mm -hmm. you two were friends. And then I, and then I met you both. And, uh, so you guys have known each other for a long time and you guys are both just not tooting your, your horn, man, but you guys are both just some of the best people I, I i really i could just like talk with you guys for hours i appreciate that uh for sure and the you know feelings mutual and as for eric you know i uh i never met somebody that i just clicked on an artistic level to where we in a weird way there was this uh kind of almost phantom-like understanding mm-hmm. of you do this i do that we'll find that third mind like every single time it was it's gotten to the point where his last book that he just put out uh you know the disparate parts um which yeah i gotta get into that i haven't read it yet yeah it's brilliant it's kind of my favorite part because it's it takes away a lot of the you know kind of pomp and circumstance of like narrative structures and just gives you these bite-sized one-two punches of you know, I think 
I would say a shared philosophy I have with them, but I, w- I was, you know, batting back and forth ideas as I was writing haunt manual and he was writing that and we were just in tune and it would be like, fuck, do I have to change this? Cause now it sounds like <laughs> each other up. You know what I mean? It, it just, it got to the point where it was kind of uncomfortable how, uh, well, uh, yeah, just how well parallel we were. That's a good know? partner right there, at least. Yeah. That's a great problem to have if you want to have some synergy. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, all right. So, man, and that's, that is, I appreciate you sharing all that because that's powerful stuff. And not only does that sort of inform the listener a little more, but it also articulates in just some of the core themes that I try to highlight, like all throughout this show is um practical magic you know like mm-hmm. be, all these high-minded concepts this none of this means fuck at all you know unless we can bring it into our our uh, day-to-day lives and we can see some sort of tangible results from them um sure. and and yeah, and, I, and that's not the, to say uh, right i was gonna say yeah i get, I get the exorcism of of want and need to like uh the pro you know enjoying the process of ritualized things i find myself you know whether i like it or not that's like that's what i have to kind of come to terms with and i've just gotten so obsessed less with the result i think i got really cushy about just being really excited about experimenting with you know my forms of audiomancy or like you know all these different weird constructs of just blowing shit up and putting it back together and you know having these really insane experiences and being like what did i just open did i fuck up you know <laughs> what am i doing <laughs> like a baby with a loaded gun you know and different mm-hmm. things but that's that's what ex- like really excites me about it is you know that that kind of keen need to just be within that almost hypnagogic state of uh you know, creation of experimentation of implementation. Yeah. I think that is a good point to make because um, I say like, I, I try to emphasize results-based a lot of times because it is the most, um, which is just a, the empirical the approach. Yeah. But, <laughs> but results-based is kind of a tricky phrasing because I don't always mean, um, a to b in the sense of because it's sometimes it works like that um you can but it's not always that linear and a lot of the time it's the like like what i suspect without knowing all the details it kind of helped you in your recovery process because I, i can relate to that in my own ways as well like just the routine of it and the uh the 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 act itself of the of the the meditation the sigils whatever you used in the chaos magic sense that becomes the anchor it's not so much the even a lot of times the casting there out um it's seeing that there is um there's some sort of giving giving yourself some sort of psychological backbone yeah. you know because i i, I think that you know <laughs> kind of with the whole dive manual thing the metaphor being like just drowning out at sea. Like unless you have building blocks for your psyche to work with, mm-hmm. then you're, you're, you're just going to be adrift because people think that the psyche and the imagination is just this. I don't know. They just think it's this fluffy 
non-existent thing, but just because it's, it's not like tangible in the sense that this microphone in front of me is, doesn't mean that it doesn't have serious implications in the, in the real and tangible present world. And to bring it back to resonance, right? Yeah. I mean, that it doesn't resonate in this shared somatic reality. Right. That's, that's, that was, you know, that's the biggest thing. And I've had my, you know, since then, oh, like tons of trials and tribulations, um, you know, within the construct of experimenting, right, of, of, of uh, mistaking resonance maybe for, you know, a, 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 mal- a malignance, you know, I don't know, but you know what I mean? And it's not mm-hmm. so much, it's funny too, because yeah, I think you're with me in this. It's that it's not so much that I need to believe them. It's just that there's enough folks that do in our shared psychic sphere that they're they just are now you know yeah (laughs) absolutely these things you know and yeah i went through the uh you know like i you know went through that time it was um august 21st of was it 22nd yeah it was 21st was the totality of the oregon eclipse like the big um, eclipse of that year in 2017 oh, yeah, yeah. and that's the that's what starts basically uh the journey i'm on right now and that's what like haunt man was all about because during that time i was not in a bad drug way or anything but having to deal with you know not extremes right like right. this low ancient hum of disappointment and you know, regret not knowing it's like, I don't know how to react to, you know, a wallowing whimper. I know how to react to, you know, a gut punch, but I, I, you know, I was in a, the dissolving relationship and, you know, things were all tumbling out of place. And I decided to go out with a friend um, and we camped in the Oregon wilderness. And I brought with me, all of my tools of that time and i meditated for two days and i concocted this insane ritual which i to this day like i've written about at points but i am knowing what i know now like absurdly embarrassed about (laughs) some of the things just it was literally like as you were saying you know it was I did not have the scaffolding. I was not prepared for the tower card that was about to come. Wow. Even I feel you. And, you know, when the, when that hum dulled, when the circadian rhythm of, you know, the world went quiet under that eclipse, I performed this ritual and afterwards, like was a severe and fierce, uh, you want things to change? Well, everything's going to fucking burn down. But guess what? If you stick it out, you know, it will build up better. So that was like, to me, that was the big calling card for me, I think, in, in different currents of magic and different tried and true, very charged by generations of people. Like, I don't need to fuck with that shit. You know what I mean? Unless I have... <laughs> unless i'm like well versed or you know i have a, a like a second generation hoodoo practitioner dear friend and you know i will be in those rituals sometimes but with him 
and within the guidance of of stuff of you know of the of the current and the culture but you know the smorgasbord of shit that i was pulling in from for that ritual was just yeah it was inviting a lot of i think resonance right from the other from like a shared sonic weapon of like minds across you know time just beaming right through me in a in a very cataclysmic way but at the same time it proved to me that like holy shit you know there is a communion i need to have but there's also a reverence i need to have and i can't just be punk rock about you know (laughs) shared communion of you know currents and of cultures and shit um i need to be you know keep the ethos but you know be respectful and i think that was a big lesson yeah you know it's the the fool's journey and i mean that in the the best possible sense of the word because so many people are afraid to take certain leaps and mm-hmm. uh because they're you know they're afraid they might bite off more than they can chew and yeah sometimes inevitably people in general were just gonna sometimes bite off more than they can chew but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try sometimes that means if anything i guess be prepared uh for whatever collateral you know <laughs> just be prepared for as best you can but i really don't think that means that you shouldn't do it and right um, absolutely I think for me, that was the lesson. I was really deep into um, a few different currents at the time. I'm a, I don't know if you know this about me, but I like, you know, playing instruments with every finger and elbow and shoulder <laughs> at the same time sort of thing. And that was, yeah, that that's what I meant was if you're not allowed, if you're not giving, you know, uh, these things the the certain reverence reverence they deserve yeah please do them but like don't you know don't yeah don't tread lightly just, yeah or tread lightly or whatever well, you yeah, know whatever. be careful yeah, stumble be into, careful <laughs> I, what's funny is like i don't even know why i'm telling people you know to not do that because yeah the burn was hard and swift but you know that is what's put me on my journey to now um but i mean it's a fair warning i mean jung himself even gave the warning it's like seriously tread lightly this is uncharted territory because even if someone else can relate to you their experiences they're not going to be quite the same as what you will experience so you know brace yourself but uh there's that's the alchemical process there's so much on the other side and you can't get to the other side without that plunge so um and you have some some people do it bit by bit a little more and some people like you and me just we really go for it we go for the whole enchilada <laughs> oh yeah absolutely and I mean, why not you know, i had a dream the other night and it's kind of set me on this other path i'm supposed to finish the conclusion to this haunt manual chapter and now i'm writing like this sub chapter that'll come out before because um <laughs> speaking of dreams you know i had this dream and it was this very kind of authoritative i felt for the first time in this in this dreamscape like not in a fascistic way but like i I was in an authoritative stance a very confident um kind of opinion of myself Mm -hmm. and and by that i mean there was like there wasn't an error that made me look sideways or or you know rethink a thought like i i felt like this sheer confidence and i remember there was a patch on my shoulder and the patch was it had a therefore symbol 
um, which if folks don't know, it's basically a triangle just made of dots, the three dots. Um, it's used in mathematics as a kind of a logical therefore, but there's other other meanings to it. It also signifies ruins um, or historical sites on map keys. Hmm. And it's, it's a symbol that I've been using forever, um, specifically for that, like the, the, the symbol of, you know, uh, detritus, the symbol of ruins. Um, but in it was this funny little ghost, like a little, you know, sheet ghost kind of cartoon in the middle of this triangle. And the words around it were dissolve, echo, and resonate. And that's why I, you know, I'm bringing up uh, resonate all the time or resonance all the time is because this has been, it's been driving me mad for the last few days, just how um, haunted in a good way, like I am by this dream. And so I had, I woke up and I immediately kind of did a crude sketching of the patch of this, you know, the symbol. And then I thought about the words, you know, dissolver, echo, resonar, you know, like a, a kind of a Spanish spin on it. <laughs> and, you know, that has kind of become this motto to me in a way that fits that perfect mold of like the two extremes of, you know, dissolve and resonate, right? And in the middle is echo, it's that third mind. And it, it's just, it all is so synchronous to each other about these polarities and finding that dot off the axis to, you know, commune with those two extremes, but not, you know, to be dead center of agreeing with both or being both, if that makes sense. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, because in, in, in a triangle, obviously the, the tall point, it has cascading you know lines it's you 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 can kind of choose to fall in the other way but you're not stuck stagnant in between and yeah that's just that's really sung to me about all of this uh this treaties about fall and you know working with magic and this the as above so below right it's like it's just so I'm in this place where everything has been echoing or resonating or the dissolution of what I thought or who I thought I was before, or, you know, the machinations of where I thought I'd be, or how do I get out of this? And it's like, it's not an ego death. And I don't mean that. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not talking about that kind of dissolution. I'm talking about like the dissolution of, uh just outside almost kind of nature or natural kind of machinations within yourself that keep you prideful or like that keep you um begging to be on this sushi boat going around <laughs> the bend you know? yeah like it like uh trying to get in tune with the Tao right yeah. yeah absolutely yeah yeah and you know and we the hollowed our our collective uh uh our common phrase is haunt on <laughs> and mm -hmm. i used you know i would say to me like the only way and it's cheeky but like the only way to truly achieve immortality quote unquote is through art and ideas 
right? Mm, amen. Not, not in the transhumanism. Forgive me. Haven't really pierced that stone yet. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I've spent too much time in the woods in the past few months. But um, <laughs> uh, in general, because we've been dabbling, um, like it's been an elongated explanation um, of them both. So it'll be in some ways kind of a bow on top, although we're not quite done with the conversation yet, but if you could articulate for people, um, what, what do you mean by a little kitschy term haunta, uh, hauntomancy? And then, and then what is, uh, especially in this context, um, what is a hungry ghost? Yeah. So, um, I'll start with the hungry ghost. So, Cool. Hungry Ghosts from the Bardo Thodol, uh, you know, hearing through the Bardos, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Um, there's the realms of the afterlife are separated by uh, Bardos or, you know, kind of realities or layers or however you actually want to perceive them. I perceive them as um, uh, thoughts. I perceive them as moods a day. I can go through all of the bardos in a day. I could just be in a bardo in a day. You know what I mean? I right. Mean, absolutely. It's, a, it's a, a kind of a place where consciousness is set adrift. And my friends ghost- and I real quick, I'll tell you, um, I, cause I think this is fairly common, but um, my friends and I just kind of instinctually, when we started experimenting with psychedelics and talking more about mysticism and stuff like out of high school, um, um, we all called that, you, you know, that loop you get into on a psychedelic where you're just stuck in that mind frame and you can't get out. We all called that yeah. Bardo. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, you know, I always had flashes of it and don't get me wrong. I've, I had some, some rough times on trips, but I never got locked in a loop, but I saw people literally like locked in hypnotic loops at some points, mm. you know, like psychedelics can be powerful. And, and that state of an archetypal Bardo is, is right. definitely a very real thing. Yeah, and I feel that you know you can transpose that to you know brain chemistry as the other you know kind of mm-hmm. ripping you through different bardos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like the whole wheel of reincarnation, it doesn't just encapsulate like a soul throughout or in between lifetimes and all that. Like we go through many lives and incarnations just in our own, just in this vehicle, this body here. Yeah, just today. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I guess my fascination, so I've been working on a long form fiction for a really long time, um, about like 10, 12 years um, concerning the solo output Dakota Slim that I've had since I was a kid. Uh, I chose that name because of a, a Frankie and Annette beach movie, Beach Blanket Bingo, because the uh, uh, stooge in it who ends up being one of my favorite character actors of all time. But my introduction to him was this guy named South Dakota Slim. (laughs) And in a Frankie and Annette movie, he's this overacting, just kind of brilliant, creepy, grim, brooding presence that wants to kidnap Annette and grind her on a conveyor belt. And I just, I would feel shitty if i wasn't uh being productive when i was a kid so i was a huge i still am a huge cinephile so i'd always write notes of like what interested me and i just (laughs) remember writing dakota slim you know and like macabre and light and that was kind of a 
another, you know, part of the polarities there. But uh, the reason why I bring that up is because uh, I have been working under Dakota Slim as like my solo kind of entity or this character so long that it's kind of become a different prism <laughs> and it's become a different like prism in and of itself so much that I want it. I want him to die with all due respect. You know? <laughs> and, I, and I mean that like in a, I want to lay him to rest, but I, you know, I you're like, you, you've become like the incredible Hulk now. Like you yeah, just, yeah. Uh, Bruce and, and the Hulk are just not the getting weakest. along. <laughs> um, i feel you though man yeah and i think that's a very powerful way neurotic hulk <laughs> um, no, but, but i think that's a very powerful way to look at it yeah, yeah so um at the time you know this is you know parallel to a lot of um you know I, as you are right when you're into a lot of these facets you know theology is a huge one and you know any kind of uh spiritual belief uh, is a fantastic wealth of beauty, any of them, mm-hmm. even the worst, has some, <laughs> you know, has some light in them. But mm-hmm. I was really taken by the Bardos because um, I was reading the Bardo Thodol at the time, and I just kept, I was working as a sound engineer, and it's all about hearing through the Bardos, and I was working on psychoacoustics at the time, and I thought that maybe I could there's this, uh, how do I put it? There's like this highway or this, uh, you know, a direct tether, a direct line, like a two cans on a string where psychoacoustically I could speak to Dakota Slim and ask like, how do we move on? Like, what do we do? And through a lot of like meditative practice and reading through the bar door, I, I found myself almost like meditating, trying to converse with, you know, this part of me um, through a plane of existence. Um, and I kept seeing, you know, they're, they're the Preda or the Hungry Ghost and the Bardothodol are um, uh, kind of described as tiny necked and big bellied, you know, never mm-hmm. satiated, um, unable to quench kind of whatever they're into. And at that time, you know, I, I was, uh, I was voracious, not only in knowledge, but also in excess, right? The polarities again. And I remember thinking like, this is my, you know, this is my Prada Bardo that I'm existing in right now. Like I am a hungry ghost. And with that, the way to commune with that and the way to like solely the, you know, just the abandoned and the unquenchable, like never satisfied, always hungry part of me was to start working on a long form fiction about Dakota Slim's demise, who, you know, he passes away in the beginning of the book, passes away like I'm respectful of his, you know, <laughs> passed away. No. <laughs> Dude fucking does in the beginning of the book. And, uh, uh, it, you know, and it's based around like my history in New Mexico. And, but, you know, in the late 1800s, and he battles through the Bardos of the afterlife. Oh, wow. And this has been kind of my great white whale. I've been working on it, 
notepads and notepads and notebooks and notebooks for years and years and years because the hungry ghost is still in me about what I'm not finished with him with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not really a lot, like I'm still working out how to end it so we can both move on, but we keep being unsatiated about um, a certain record or a certain song or a certain, you know, like haven't hit those marks yet. And that has made me realize over time that like, I think our base axes as human beings is almost hungry ghosts, especially in this society. I don't think like, I don't think naturally maybe uh, we would be, but I think in the fits and spurts of our, all the cadences around us and, you know, with everything happening around us, it has almost kind of attuned us into living in the realm of the preta you know whether we are sometimes or whether we're faced with them every day and i think if one was to like really look into the metaphorical symbology of the hungry ghost they're not nefarious you know they're not malicious they're hungry and there's a sorrow to them and Mm -hmm. it's this hole never being filled you know uh everyone's got a hole that isn't filled uh don't quote me on that (laughs) um you know (laughs) so so that that has been my big translation with that and that has been haunting me along because i feel myself in my most kind of discombobulated days so like when it's always something that i am lacking and it's like why why does it need to be something that i'm lacking so it's this hardwiring i'm trying to get myself out of especially with this practice. Yeah, man. Um, It truly, I think this is like the truest definition of a haunting. And, you know, if we're getting a little further out there, um, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I think that a lot of like Westernized paranormal activity, as I've said before in other places, stems from this kind of phenomena that we're talking about here just uh the uh the disillusion process the alchemical process and in that turmoil when you're at the bottom and you're trying to tinker with these things and you're like dusting off the workbench of your mind and trying to remember what all this shit means and what all the formula you used to have were and uh and you start burning yourself and causing bubbles and shit like that you know um um yeah, that's when it, you imprint yourself and that's when you echo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm glad you used like echo and resonance again because I keep forgetting to mention I've always used the term like inertia, you know, the the forward yeah. momentum that a falling well, that thing has. Yeah, and um but I love your your psychoacoustics um allegory that is going on there. And that's the thing that I love about like esotericism in general where you can from the philosophies of the micro and macrocosm um, and understanding symbolism and how things interact with each other. It, you can see the comparisons between something like acoustics and psychology or astrophysics and neurology, you know, right. things like what that. Do we, what is the common thread? If we were to distill all of those things, it's energy, it's electrical, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and it, the transference, I think, is the key is like how this energy dissipates or how it is changed or how it is moved. 
and I don't mean energy in the woo sense. I almost kind of mean literally, right? Energy, you know, um, so, electrical resonance, right? So it's it's super fascinating to think about when you kind of distill it all that some could be trapped in this feedback feedback loop, you know, to pony back what I was saying earlier, like this inherent resonance we all have, you know. It, the hungry ghost in us is the one that is eating itself. It's the Uroboros. It's the feedback loop. It is creating, creating the dissonance. Uh, don't get me wrong. I do, I love dissonance, uh, <laughs> but that's, you know what I mean? Like the very literal and by definition dissonance of being absolutely, you know, out of sorts and out of uh, scheme with the self. For sure. Um, so um, definite, uh, point made, um, and poignant about, um, about like hungry ghosts being the, well, us archetypally representing, um, a hungry ghost, but is Dakota slim, like your hungry ghost? Um, no, I think it's broader. And I think that was the realization. Got you. I, I see. It's dispersed. Like a, it's like I, I, uh, siphoned the ghost gas in put it into different vehicles you know and i think that's a way to kind of make it not so feedback oriented that's the only way i can really suss those things out because you know given enough time or or uh given enough room to just focus on one that's when the that's when the speakers that's when the mic starts hearing itself i really I really love how how genuinely meta the whole thing is, man. Is it it, right. it it has yeah. that Grant Morrison kind of feel of him making comic book characters like self aware of them being in their own comic books and and self aware of the 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 chaos magic processes that created yeah. them. Um, and yeah, uh, and it is very specific, you know, to a few. Obviously, like you know what? I don't know if I can say that. Obviously, I won't speak in any absolutes um, or anything, but uh, yeah, when you put it like that, I, I guess anytime I write a fictionalized story, you know, it's siphoning that ghost gas again. It's not like pulling from the ether so much as like giving to it. If that makes sense? Yeah, that is but, another fascinating um, image. Yeah, you're really good at painting pictures with the words for sure, man. (laughs) Well, I also, um, you know, there have been times, uh, especially not to get too deep in the weeds with this, but there have been times where um, experiences proved later in a way Mm -hmm. where uh, through like audio mantic practices and meditations and, you know, sound, um, you know, processes like yeah i hate calling it sound sorcery that's even worse (laughs) um but you know that i have had visions of things that i could not explain i would not i don't think as a very imaginative person could have come up with these things you know what i mean and then later were to you know read up on the one in, in specifically was uh the druge and Zoroastrianism were these like uh, beasts on the mountain. And uh, I remember when I was doing this audiomancy kind of session in a dimming room at that time, actually it was back in 2017, funny enough, but it was in the small cupboard where I had a mattress and a lamp 
and like you know some delay and effects pedals to kind of help swell the sound in there mm-hmm. and i'd meditate and like i I'd, I'd use uh physical interaction to kind of help churn kind of a psychic engine and you get into like a a rhythm of the dark and kind of breathe with it and i would you know i'd start to see things obviously most of the time it's these wonderful purple tetrahedrons or you know what i mean like things you see when you're like deeply meditative right right? no doubt but there's been some that have barked through and one of them was this like really ghastly beastly um i wouldn't say werewolf it was like so anti-werewolf but it was still like where a werewolf would be a werewolf it was still a beast but wasn't a werewolf i don't know how else to explain it Hmm. um it was some sort of were beast almost interesting yeah and it's something i could just i would never have thought to bend joints like that or i would never have thought to you know give a, a certain like cadence to its voice it just it felt you know it felt very outside of myself and it would i was in the process this because i record them all on cassette tape the sessions mm-hmm. and i was listening back and i was going through this sound that sounded like this really slow drudge and it would actually start to make the sound drush 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 and wow. uh, it uh I find out later like drush is you know i was flipping through one of my crazy old you know kind of esoteric encyclopedias that i have and just kind of you know uh as you do you know <laughs> taking a, a night in flipping through your crazy old esoteric encyclopedias and, so that's uh, how i do it man yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh and i found druge d-r-u-j i was like ah and it was described as a zoroastrian beast from the hills and it didn't you know didn't have the uh literal like uh description of it but it's kind of loose definition you know maybe oh holy yeah shit, very know? synchronous yeah that's yeah, fascinating yeah. yeah um and like druge meaning a lie and it was like what was i you know what did that mean you know that sent me through spirals <laughs> like what yeah that? man all yeah. part of the process we'll never have all the answers but you got to keep you shouldn't be afraid to ask those questions anyway and experiment Absolutely. further and it's you know it's 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 exciting but i just wanted to illustrate that as it's not always i don't think from me maybe it is i don't i don't fucking know no i think yeah i mean if i'm just giving my personal opinion i think that that is a beautiful example of just genuine um mysticism in the modern day man because like you, you could parse hair, you could split hairs and be like, well, it just originate from the mind first or, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg. But when something so seamlessly lines up like that, um, you know, there's like, there's been scientific studies that say like, you know, it's only a matter of time before you think of someone and then they call like of all the million thoughts you have and the million things that could be going right, on. Course, but, yeah. but it doesn't matter. You know, just the fact that you did think about them and they did call, it doesn't matter if that was just, the random statistical chance that happened to land like that's still chaos theory that's the flap of the butterfly wing right there well and two it it happening in general you're not thinking about the arithmetic of it happening right thinking holy shit it happened yeah and i think absolutely 
yeah, I think people get lost in that sort of, you know, kind of, um, you know, those kind of deep uh, twiddles of, you know, of causality. And yeah, yeah you're just going to get lost there if you spend yeah. too much time there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I still very much, you know, work within those processes as you were talking about, you know, synchronous, uh, the haunt manual, like I started it in September. I released the first chapter, which is a big overview of, I think you asked me what auto hauntomancy was like an hour ago. That's hilarious. I just realized that. Um, uh, <laughs> I so, forgot about yeah, that too. Uh, hauntomancy, um, is a cheeky term just uh to kind of marry when i'm considering the hauntology the practice of you know utilizing the hauntology of the self for kind of pragmatic means so hauntology is this you know kind of uh philosophical principle about the you know kind of retro meets new kind of ghostly uh uh just ghostly appendage of an arm that kind of sweeps through culture that you see skipping you know every couple of generations and it shows up again and it's just this weird cyclical uh nostalgia bait you know kind of weird pop culture phenomenon mm -hmm. in the sense of you know nothing is actually kind of nothing is really new it's all kind of artifacts and scaffolding from you know the ruins of what was before and i'm that's a horrendous breakdown of what hauntology is but and the way i'm using it um uh, fascinating know, though yeah but in Der jacques derrida who you know wrote about hauntology one of my favorite um one of my favorite how do not theorems, but just kind of uh, musings by him was something called the pharmacon. And the pharmacon is a kind of a magician's poison. But because they're a magician, it's also an antidote. Hmm. So he uses it, he uses it as an example of like, it is both but it is neither so like the like a vampire it's neither living nor dead it's something else it's undead right mm -hmm. and again there's the echo there's a resonance of that third mind that third point right on the access what would an example extreme. what would example of a pharmacon be like a habit or a mentality well or... so that's where the philosophical comes from like he Got was it. using it in like pop culture standards uh you know um especially when it came to yeah uh illustrating it very plainly but Interesting. to me the the pharmacon could be magical praxis itself it is both a poison and an antidote but it is also i mean it's neither poison nor antidote it's both which is something new it's something that yeah. pushes through, right? So hmm. that that's kind of what's you know spurned me. And what's funny is I actually had a zine in high school called the Pharmacon, hmm. um, and I I had forgotten about that. Like, wasn't thinking about it until I was like working with 
on with this quote unquote hauntomancy and forgive me if I don't call it a hauntomancy like it's just a kind of a an easy word just to you know drive home the point that there's a hauntological aspect of this magical praxis absolutely it really is about the hauntology of the self about these reoccurring specters these um effervescent like i don't know just cyclical you know gases that come up you know through your life like these weird echoes these weird resonances you know like these weird disillusions of things and it's uh to me i started getting really i had this meditation and i use this like a uh, meditation of the Sephiroth um, that I've been using for years um, that kind of, you know, you kind of trans traverse through the nine spheres or whatever, and this very kind of self-guided meditation. But <clears throat> when I was doing it, um, which I, I hadn't done it in a while, I saw um, I, I the way I visualize it, so there's this whole process you go through in this meditation, but really you kind of I, not you, the royal you, climb out of this space, like this embryonic space, and mm -hmm. you find yourself at the base of, you know, a large tree, right? Obviously. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, the way I saw it was, you know, a deadwood, not a deadwood, a bloodwood tree mm. that was profusely bleeding, and there's marigold, you know, petals falling everywhere, and, you know, it seemed like a dissolution. It seemed like an autumn, um, even in this space. And I get out and I notice that I am a silhouette of myself. Uh, but not only that, that, there's actually, upon closer inspection, that there's nebulas and galaxies kind of built within me. You know, some are brighter than others, but very, you know, not, I wouldn't say absolutely faint, but noticeable and i get out of this pool uh which you know when i look back it ends up being my you know birthmarked eye is where i claimed out of so you know trippy stuff i'll try to skip through that stuff but um, <laughs> dude i am uh, dad this is very rich symbolism i'm fascinated yeah um and so i get out and i'm ready to uh peruse the the spheres as I've known them, I learned that there's back roads and there's easy ways I can, you know, I can skip the forever growing on top of itself, you know, greenery. I can skip the, you know, the the mother's, you know, womb. I can skip the man shooting light on his eyes and screaming that dimension. You know what I mean? I was like, there's some <laughs> spheres I don't need to go into and I found out tricks and ways to kind of get around it like you know speakeasy kind of tunnels and I like the sound of that I'm about to embark thinking like all right here we go again you know uh know which one not to go into I look over and I see four of me uh separated only by the uh I would say the amplitude of light of within their silhouettes their darkened silhouettes so they got darker i'm sorry they got lighter as the silhouettes were further away from me 
and there were four of them. And funny enough, I was a little bit lighter than the one next to me. Hmm. Uh, but it got, you know, he was the darkest. And I say he because I'm assuming it's me, but who knows? But, you know, <laughs> and then it moved, obviously. But it, uh, and then it moved, you know, it cascaded up. And I remember um, feeling like I knew the arithmetic of that. And it was like how I saw me and how I subjugated, how I allow time linearly. Like, so these were the five years that I had been living. Wow. And it, you know, and I, 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 you know what I mean? It's like when you're in those places, you, you just kind of know. It's not like I'm pulling out a pad and paper and going like, all right, so what's your name? What are you doing here? You know, Believe just, me, I get it, dude, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, there was an arithmetic I knew about it. And I remember feeling sad because I remember, well, that makes sense. The, the one next to me, it being last year, very, very dim. Like it was a hard year. Um, still pretty dim the year before that, eh, maybe progressively lighter and then kind of really bright, like fervent. And I remember feeling like the constellations in me were like, well, the only way to get brighter is to kind of engulf them. So they would, you know, I'd, they would be, they would walk into me. And I would kind of absorb them. And when it became, when it came to the last one, I remember a very sentimental feeling. It was like, kind of, uh, you know, like you're about to embark on this huge expedition, but you know, the, uh, the relationship that you were in, nothing bad happened. It's just one of those things where, you know, roads are diverged and you're moving away from each other. It was like a sorrow about it, you know? And we had a wow. moment and then, you know, walked into me or walked into the spectral me or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember slowly making my, I didn't even want to go up or tra traverse the tree um, because I felt like, uh, you know, why do it if you're going to cheat all the time? Sometimes you got to, you know, you got to hit the. You got to hit Malkuth, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it sucks. And and it, I felt like a lot of guilt. It was almost like the the five years ago version of me was, you know, <laughs> giving me uh, some sort of like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> really? <laughs> this is what you've been No, No wonder, you know, things are out of whack. And when I woke up from the the... I, I do this meditation in the shower because it's like sound is a big proponent and it helps me drown everything. And, you know, I feel embryonic when I'm in, <laughs> no uh, doubt. Yeah, in the shower. But I remember waking up and like kind of crying and thinking, you know, my first thought was like, is this what a baptism feels like? It's like it's like this sorrowful deliverance of now i know like now i know what i gotta do now i know now i have a kind of a game plan of what to atone for you know what i mean mm -hmm. and that's what spurned this whole chapter 
of then me doing these audiomancy rituals where I'm systematically using notes and instruments and all improvised in a live 40 minute set that I've been streaming too. Um, uh, all very intricately, you know, placed and poised. Uh, this is from that person in 2017. I got this here. I'm going to play the key of this, of that album that I wrote then. Like, I don't know how to play those songs anymore, but it's just going to be improvised. And it was like doing that built these synapses back to who I was during that time. And I start to remember songs that I had long since forgotten or like, you know, lost a recording or a demo of. And I was like, wow, I'm like building synapses back to that era. And then soon after, <laughs> out of nowhere, I was poised to just like keep teaching wilderness survival up here. I get a phone call going, we can't keep you up there, even though you've signed a lease and all that. We need you down in Oregon, uh, back at the organization that you worked at the last time was in 2017. And we need you basically to stay uh, while you get on your feet in hopes of relocating at the house where I met my now girlfriend. Um, <laughs> How about at, that? On a Halloween, at a Halloween party. Wow. Seventeen. All right. Yeah. Full and circle. So that's what starts that journey was being thrust back. You know, I always, I, I consider it like this. It's like time travel is probably just not possible for our consciousness since we're just so linearly aimed, but like you don't have to travel back in time, but you can be placed back in the quadrants and like whatever's still there that tethers, you know what I mean? I think like, intuition is largely the tether that binds there. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, just being back at the organization, staying at the house where this, my journey started with my significant other um you know back in portland which i hadn't been back to in that way there was a lot of i was there to resolve some things mm -hmm. you know with myself with with others you know and so that's kind of where i was um long story short i was able to work through it uh for a month and kind of forgave myself about things like mended relationships in that month it was like this huge closure principle and it was almost as if when i did that this other opportunity knocked and said okay you come back to seattle now we've got an even better job for you and it was from a different organization and a different field but one that i've been you know i've always worked in which is sound design and stuff um you need to start on monday so I quit. I told my organization that I had been working with for like eight years, like, I'm sorry, my time here is done. You know, like <laughs> I did it. The freaking silhouette ghost galaxy dude has high fived my heart. It's time <laughs> to go, you know? And so I quit, left on Saturday, came back this Sunday, had a full week. Uh, you know, doing this new gig and this new fucking reality tunnel. And that is because of fucking Hauntomancy.
Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Uh, I I really appreciate you going into that detail there because I think you um man, like it's a it's it's a very eclectic thing that we're trying to express and that we're trying to explain here. And I think that when you can sort of relay it with your own story in, in the best ways possible. Um, sometimes that's like the only best way. And that's kind of why mythology was so pervasive, you know, is the humanizing grand concepts so or that we perverse. could wrap our heads around them or perverse. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of the Halloween season. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to have to let you go here soon, man. Cause I I'm going to be, man. I, did you see how I tried to like rally that last bit up right before, right before five? <laughs> yeah, dude, you nailed it. You nailed it, buddy. Um, and for those listeners out there, I am going to um, a haunted house after this with some people. So uh, that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. But um, uh, you know, you got to get into the Halloween spirit a little bit. And seriously, if you guys haven't, if you folks out there haven't watched any horror movies yet this season, you're fucking up. You need to start getting get in the mindset. Um, you done goofed. Yeah, man. Because I mean, hey, if it's not your cup of tea, um, you don't have to go. You don't have to go full gore. Get a little bit into the Halloween mode, though, because like I said at the beginning of this episode, there's a reason for it. And there's a time and a yeah. place. And so I encourage that. Um, and even and- ghosts dissolve. Like even Halloween's going to be gone in a short time. Amen, man. Amen. Um, so tell people, Keats, where they can, because uh, Haunt Manual, if we didn't make it uh, uh, totally clear, it's not only written work, but it's also a podcast where you're reading it and it's got your music in the background and it's it's a great thing. So tell people yeah. where they can find it, where they can find you and keep up with you and any closing comments you got for us. I would say the easiest is just pragmagic with a K uh, dot com. That's got the haunt manual. It's got the YouTube, all the stuff. You know, I, I do these improvised audiomancy streams. And then, you know, I meditate and work on the literature of the haunt manual. Then I um, complete, I put that out on Substack. And then I, yeah, like I read or recontextualize it with the uh, audiomancy as a score to it. Obviously, I'm backed up because uh, freaking hauntomancy, am I right? drug me away for a a month and a half but yeah so and we the hollow.org uh fine collection of witches and weirdos uh slither hither and yeah um all i'd have to say honestly uh anthony thank you you always rule and it's always a pleasure hope you have fun and i mean this both literally and figuratively haunt on amen dude thank you so much haunt on to you and all the listeners as well i uh um, I hope everyone out there has a fun Halloween season. I'll be back uh, the final release um, in how ha- or uh, in October will be uh, Halloween and then uh, so that we'll get one more Halloween specific geared episode in there nice. and then and then we'll be onward from there and Keats will definitely be having you back on soon my man. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, of course dude always my pleasure and appreciate you man. Likewise, um, everybody, you take care out there. Don't forget, this is Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm Anthony Tyler. We've been talking with Keats Ross of Prag Magic. Y'all take care out there. We'll see you next time. <laughs>